it is time to look ahead. We looked back yesterday. We broke down the Seahawks' loss to the Bengals to drop to 3-2 and two on the season. Now they return home to Lumen Field, and they return to the NFC West. Their first look at the Arizona Cardinals, the new-look Arizona Cardinals, who have been surprisingly competitive in a season when most people thought they would be tanking. How are they doing it? What can the Seahawks expect to see on Sunday? We'll take a look at some of the advanced analytics and dive into this Seahawks-Cardinals matchup today on Seahawks Forever. Welcome to the Seahawks Forever podcast. In-depth analysis on everything Seahawks. And now, here's your host, Dan Viennes. Thank you to all of you who watched my game reaction video and commented on it. Lots of great comments and really a lot, a lot of you came to um, have convinced me that there may be a more realistic view of what Geno Smith is, who he is, uh, than maybe I had thought. That quite a few of you, I'd say most of you, in many of the comments in the video from yesterday, understand that he's not a perfect quarterback. He can play well at times, we can win with him, but he needs to be better than he was on Sunday if the Seahawks have any aspiration of being a contender this year. Um, kind of the opposite end of the spectrum of being a contender, the Arizona Cardinals. You know, they make wholesale changes again in the offseason. Uh, new GM, new head coach Jonathan Gannon comes over from the from the Eagles. Um, Kyler Murray's still out with an injury. There's a question about whether he'll ever play for the Cardinals again. They may be ready to move on from him. But the perception was coming into the season that they were going to tank, that they had an opportunity with uh, some of the trades they made to, to own two of the top picks in the draft this year and that they would be doing everything they can to uh, to get a, get a shot at Caleb Williams, the quarterback out of USC. Uh, but they have come out and been much more competitive um, than any of us uh, thought they would be, certainly. Before we get started today, and before I dive into this, I hit that like button on YouTube, subscribe to the channel so you don't miss any notifications and support the channel. If you want to support me and what I do here, you can buy me a coffee or a beer. Link is in the description. Uh, the Cardinals just one in five, but... They've been competitive. They've been in games. <laughs> they've, they've had some tough losses. Uh, I'm going to look at kind of how they're doing it. And I'm going to use a certain statistical measurement to sort of break this down. And then uh, stick around till the end because I'm going to apply that to, I asked the question at the top, are the Seahawks not playing to their strength right now? And is that maybe what's contributing to some of the inconsistencies and some of the failures, frankly, of the offense um, to close out some of these games and, and give them a little bit better chance to win. Um, I'm going to talk about EPA today. So in the past, I have leaned on DVOA as the season progresses as sort of my main uh, advanced stat aimed at showing in numerical form the overall quality of a team. The idea being that you're trying to find a way to quantify quality and attach numbers, a numerical value, to teams so that if you rank them 1 to 32, philosophically speaking, you can say, well, the number 5 team, more often than not, should beat the number 20 team. 
And what EPA is, and I'll just give you a real brief description here, but I will put a link in the description that'll take you to the website and explain this in greater detail. It means expected points added. So what these people, and this is this goes back to 1970 and, and originated from a uh, paper that was written um, that involved, one of the writers was uh, an actual NFL quarterback for the Cleveland Browns at the time. Name escapes me, but it'll be on the website. And the idea being that given certain situations in a game, down in distance and uh, where you are on the field, there are um, expectations of your how likely you are to score in that situation. So obviously if it's third and 10 from your own 10-yard line, the likelihood is a lot less. If it's first and 10 from the opponent's 30, the likelihood is a lot more. And then they matched up and, and looked at how often in those situations certain teams succeed. And then they, they put it all into a mixer. And um, based on how teams are doing over, over a sample size. And what it gives you is a look at what teams are good at compared to other teams. And how much more successful or not successful, a team is in those situations. And uh, I guess, so from a very crude perspective, you know, if, say, first and 10 from the 50, um, teams were expected to score 40% of the time, but there's, you know, Kansas City Chiefs do it 60% of the time, then that, that speaks directly to their ability on offense, and they're going to have a higher EPA. Um, so that being said, and please, again, read that uh, description on the website. It's fantastic. But it's just a way of ranking that goes beyond yards per game, points per game, points per play. Uh, and those are two others that I like to look at, points per play, points per drive. But this is one we're going to focus on today. Where do the Seahawks stand right now? On net EPA, which is looking at defense and offense combined. If you have a really good offense but a horrible defense, it's going to even out, right? So net EPA is a combination of the two. The Seahawks are 12th in the NFL right now. And to be specific there, that's it's 0.08 points above expected average. But they're 12th in the league. That's about where you'd expect, isn't it? If you looked at all the, and I haven't this week, but if you went and looked at all the power rankings, those are a big deal now. I would think that's kind of where they would be. Around 12, most likely. Cardinals, meanwhile, are 27th. And I want to look a little deeper, as I said at the top, at the Seahawks' offense. We're going to do that last. And that matchup, and how it might favor the Seahawks, and how it might favor them even more if they were to take a look at these numbers, and I'm sure they do, or their own set of numbers that, that give them basically the same picture. And when it comes to self-scouting, ask themselves this week in the film room and as they're game planning, are we leaning into what we do best right now? Are we really playing to our strength? Um, but first, let's look at how the Seahawks' defense, uh, which we're all so excited about now, matches up against the Cardinals' offense. And and isn't this fun? You know, focus yesterday on the show on uh, that Pete Carroll quote that I love so much where when he was asked what the what the team was doing well on defense, what he liked about this defense was, 
we got a bunch of good players over there and they're making plays. That's a different answer. That's a different narrative than he's given for the last four or five years where he's talked about scheme and execution. This is the best collection of talent they've had on defense since those Super Bowl teams. And for Pete to come out and say that, I think, says a lot. And you see it now. You see it coming together. You see Trey Brown and uh, Devin Witherspoon and Reek Wollen really kind of solidifying that cornerback position. You see now Jamal Adams play an entire healthy game and how he impacted the game, just how much better the perimeter run defense is in particular. You see the impact Bobby Wagner's had coming back and Jordan Brooks playing alongside him. And you've seen the impact that a a rejuvenated Jaron Reed and a Draymond Jones can have up front and those edge guys coming off the edge too. So I really thought that was a fascinating quote from Pete. So defensively, Seahawks are 13th overall based on EPA in the NFL. Six against the run. We knew the run defense was improved. Held the Bengals. Held Joe Mixon to under 40 yards yesterday. Um, but what's holding him back from being ranked higher, if, if 13th might feel low to you, just because of what we've seen the last couple of weeks, um, it's because that pass defense was so poorly ranked, so low after those first three weeks, right? With what Matthew Stafford did to him. And then, you know, Jared Goff got some yards and then Andy Dalton obviously throwing it, you know, almost 60 times and over 350 yards against him in week three. So that's coming up. More performances like they had in Cincinnati on Sunday, holding Joe Burrow to less than 100 yards passing in the second half. It's certainly going to help keep that ranking um, on the rise. Now, how does that match up to the Arizona offense? And then we'll take a look kind of at what to expect from that offense if you haven't really watched the Cardinals this year. Um, so the, the Arizona offense is surprisingly middle of the pack this season. Number 17 in the league in EPA. And they're doing it in, in a fairly balanced way. 19th in passing offense and 12th in rushing offense. However, uh, the Seahawks are going to be facing a, an Arizona rushing offense that isn't uh, going to have their best weapon. James Conner placed on injury reserve this week, and he was having a really good year. He was kind of the darling of the fantasy football no running back, the zero running back drafting technique, which I employed this year, and it's going well. Didn't get Conner, but he was a guy that, that you know, I, I think it speaks to his value that in fantasy football, you know, owners were looking to get him in the fourth, fifth round. Um. He was averaging 5.4 yards per carry this year, 364 yards rushing, two touchdowns. He's hurt. He's on IR. He's going to miss at least four games, and it sounds like it might be a little bit longer than that. In his place, textbook example of running back by committee. You might not recognize any of these names. Well, you probably have heard of Damian Williams. He's bounced around the league. But Keontae Ingram and Amari Demarcado. Uh, are sort of the three-headed committee that they're going to move forward with. And they actually get a little creative on offense, and they've used Rondale Moore uh, out of the backfield, sort of a Debo Samuel role, what we see from him in San Francisco. And they were effective last week against the Rams, 103 yards in the first half before the game kind of got out of hand, and and they had to abandon the run in the second half. Um, just Just a little bit more about the Arizona offense. It's coordinated by Drew Petzing who's not a big name. Jonathan Gannon plucked him out of Cleveland where he was the quarterback coach 
there last year. Had been with the Browns for three years. Before that, he was a wide receiver coach the Minnesota Vikings for six years. Um, and so that explains the familiarity with Josh Dobbs. Now, heading into the season, Kyler Murray hurt. Uh, they drafted Clayton Toon out of Houston, and they still had Colt McCoy. And then kind of last minute, I think the week before the opener, they made a trade for Josh Dobbs. Petzing was familiar with him from Cleveland. And uh, he started right away. Uh, started week one, and he's been fairly effective. You know, he's bounced around the league a little bit, Pittsburgh, Cleveland, and then Arizona. Um, eight starts in his career, uh, 14 appearances. He has a, a 61% completion percentage, eight touchdowns, six interceptions in his career so far this year. That ratio is six touchdowns to three interceptions. Completion percentage, 61%. He's an athletic guy, though, too. He's got 181 yards on the ground. He's averaging about 5.6 yards per carry. Uh, so you have to keep an eye on him in there. Uh, he's been good and bad. He's he's thrown some, you know, those three picks. A couple of them are really bad picks. He's got a good arm, though. He's 28, 29 years old. He's not your long-term answer. Um, but he's played well enough to, to again, keep them competitive. More competitive than we thought. Uh, he's got a couple weapons to work with. Marquise Brown really having his best year since the trade to Arizona. He's got 334 yards and three touchdowns through the air already. We know about the speed there. That's going to be a focus of the Seattle secondary. Zach Ertz is having a good season. He's been healthy. He has 24 catches. That's second behind Brown on the team. And then uh, getting a really nice contribution out of Michael Wilson, the rookie out of Stanford, who, if you remember that name, he's a guy that I really liked as sort of a mid-round target of the Seahawks during draft season, mocked him a lot, kind of a, a, a really solid size-speed combo, good route runner, stood out at the Senior Bowl. He has 18 catches for 317 yards and two touchdowns on the season. So that's the Arizona offense. Um that the uh, defense is going to be facing. Offensive line is better than it's been. Uh, you know, they spent their first uh, top 10 draft pick. They moved up to get um, the left tackle. They're improved uh, at center. Um, that's been sort of an Achilles heel. The Cardinals, that appears to be in better shape. But now I want to talk about the Seahawks offense. Again, sort of piggybacking on the conversation that we started yesterday. And uh, talked a lot about one of my takeaways from the game with Shane Waldron. Maybe not doing enough to help out Geno Smith, uh, not just in help in protection with those, uh, you know, with the right side of the offensive line, really struggling, the rookie Anthony Bradford and Jake Curran, who was having his struggles before, but now, you know, playing on one leg, essentially playing with a, a pretty severely sprained ankle, it appears. Um, we'll see if Jason Peters is ready to go this week and might have a shot at right tackle. Um, Pete indicated that he... He was close to playing last week. They just didn't feel like his fitness was where it should be, but that he was mostly playing guard last week. That might have been due to Damian Lewis missing the game. If Lewis comes back this week and Phil Haynes is able to go back to the right side, Jason Peters might have a shot to play right tackle. So we'll see how that works out. Uh, but how do the Seahawks look on the EPA rankings? Well, right now they're ninth overall offensively. That translates in traditional stats. They're averaging 24.8 points a game. That's top 10 in the league. They are the 15th best passing offense, right in the middle of the pack, based on EPA. But would you be surprised to know that they are the third best run offense in the league by this metric? Would that surprise you? Kind of copy me by surprise. I mean, there have been moments. There have been flashes. 
maybe the reason it, it, it didn't seem to make sense to me initially is recency bias. Ken Walker had some nice runs. I talked on the show yesterday about Zach Charbonnet really didn't get enough touches. So I wanted to go back and look. Are we playing to our strength? Are we running enough? Are we doing everything we can, Shane Waldron, to help out this offense? And a lot of you recognize what's going on, and I see it in the comments on the channel. They need to play two tight ends more often. They need to give Curran some help. Keep a tight end on that side. Be a little more creative with short passes. Get the ball out to the, to the running backs. Get rid of the ball quicker. How about this? How about just run the ball more? I, I know that might trigger some PTSD in some of you. Because we all remember 2018. <laughs> we all remember the Dallas Cowboy playoff game. And we remember, you know, Pete kind of freaking out a little bit and, and going so far the other direction and trying to protect Russell Wilson when he had a healthy Chris Carson and at times when he had a healthy Rashad Penny that he ran to a fault. Especially that offense, Brian Schottenheimer coordinating it. I mean, that game just sticks out. I, I still have a hard time thinking back to that game. It was so much, and we saw it in other games throughout the season, too. There was so much run on first down, run on second down, throw on third down. Traditionally, if you look at the large sample size, you look back over the last seven or eight years, the Seahawks are among the league leaders in early down pass rate. But for a year or two there, that seemed to flip. Have they gotten a little bit more away from that? And in particular, in this game, were they not honest enough with themselves about what they might be able to do and not do? Let's look back to the first drive. I said on the show yesterday, I think it was the best drive of the year. It was one of the best drives you could ever see. Pete called it a perfect drive. We saw run-pass balance. We saw short passes. We saw intermediate passes. We saw a little bit of Charbonnet, a little bit of Walker. We saw them go left, right. It kind of reminded me of my old Dennis Erickson days at Washington State, and we didn't really see this translate to the NFL when he was coach of the Seahawks, but what he always did so well when he was coordinating offenses in college, and of course he had success at Miami as well, winning a national championship, is in the first drive or two, you would always see him stress the defense at every single level. There would be plays designed and called to go sideline to sideline, left, right, to go deep, intermediate, short, left, flat, right, flat, left, curl, right, curl. He wanted to establish right away that you never are going to be able to anticipate where we're going with the football. On that drive, that's what it looked like. Man, it was beautiful. And what did the pass run mix look like? Six runs, six passes. They score a touchdown, go up 7 nothing, take the crowd out of the game momentarily. Second drive. One run, two passes, three and out, punt. Third drive, two runs, six passes, punt. Fourth drive, three runs, five passes, results in a field goal. Fifth drive, three runs, six passes, interception. The, G, the shot to JSN. They were moving the ball. And then the shot to JSN at the pylon gets picked. Sixth drive, three runs, four passes, 
field goal. Better balance. Now watch this. Well, let me just, uh, okay, we'll go individual. Seventh drive. One run, three passes, the second interception where DK cut off his route. Eighth drive. Remember, this is a one-score game at this point. Eighth drive, zero runs, five passes, and a punt. Ninth drive, one run on the first play of the drive, and then nine consecutive passes. They turn it over on downs. They fail in the red zone. And on the last drive, they ran it once and tried to throw it five times. A couple of those were sacks. They turn it over on downs, lose the game. So in those last four drives of the game, a one-score game at that time, three runs, let me do some quick math. <laughs> uh, three runs and 22 pass attempts in those last four drives. Your offensive line was struggling. The Bengals were getting to your quarterback rushing four. And they abandoned the run. The Bengals didn't have to respect the run. Those guys up front, Hubbard, Hendrickson, they're good already, but if they can pin their ears back, they don't need to worry about having to set the edge or play the run. Those safeties don't have to worry about sneaking up to help out in the box. Uh, I thought that was a real failure by Shane Waldron uh, on Sunday. And I know, and I'm guilty of it too, sometimes you get impatient and you just want the big play and you want to you get it done right now, but I think, I think as fans, it's understandable. Teams need to be better than that if they want to succeed, right? You need to try to stay within yourself a little bit. Take your shots when you have them. But what, what the Seahawks have done so well the last couple of years and what Geno Smith does very well, and all the analytics back it up, is he is extremely effective in play action. And while you don't have to be a great running team for play action to work, that's been proven time and time again by this by the analytics. You have to at least show enough of it for the defense to respect it. Three running attempts in those last four drives. Uh, just can't have that. Can't have that. Uh, they need to get back to what they do best, and that is you know, run the football consistently throughout the game, and then play action. You know, I saw it. There were a couple of examples Sunday, too. I talked about on the live stream with Dana on the PSF app that um, there was a couple of third down plays, and I think one of the fourth down plays where they go empty. They go empty shotgun. And I just don't like that. This team isn't built for that. You got Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen, Justin Herbert. Okay. But I just, I just don't like telling the defense, hey, we're throwing it here. See if you can stop us. I don't think they're good enough right now to be able to do that. Not with this offensive line. You get a healthy, 100% healthy Abe Lucas back at right tackle with Haynes and Lewis healthy playing guard and Evan Brown, what an upgrade he's been at center. You might be able to do that, especially with the weapons the Seahawks have on the outside and how well their running backs catch football, but not right now, not in that game, not in that situation. I don't, I don't know how they could look at how that game was going up front and think to themselves, this is a good idea. Let's go empty. You take play action out of it. I think they need to run the football a little bit more. 
And that's, I, I think Ken Walker got, he had 56 snaps. I think he touched the ball 18 times. I think that's about right. As I said on the show yesterday, I think Zach Charbonnet might be the answer here. And they need to, need to work him a little bit more uh, into what's happening here. Um, because that, that offense just needs to get more consistent. They need to, they need to cash, turn field goals into, into touchdowns. They need to be better in the red zone. Third down wasn't as bad on Sunday. Can still get better, obviously. I think they were 50%. Um, but the red zone hasn't been very good. And I think this could help um, a lot with that. Uh, that's going to do it for now. Um, we'll be back in a couple of days. I want to take a deeper look. I, I promised you I would look at every uh, target or opportunity that Jackson Smith and Jigba was schemed for on Sunday because I think if you add it all up, we almost saw his breakout game on Sunday. Coulda, shoulda seen his breakout game. Maybe it'll come this week against the Cardinals. I am Dan Viennes. Follow me on Twitter at Seahawks Forever. Subscribe to the channel. You can click the little icon down there in the lower right-hand corner or just that giant subscribe button that you're staring at right now. Uh, support the show. There's links in the description letting you know how you can do that. Until next time, as always, forever and always, go Hawks. Go Hawks.